0: Uh, Today we kick off a series, and um, Uncommon Prayer is what we've titled this series as a pastoral team, Uncommon Prayer. And uh, we're learning how to practically, I mean, I I realize that we're a mixed bag at New Life. Uh, We have basically new believers who have come to Christ, who have begun to follow Jesus. And when you hear about fasting, it's like, whoa, what is that? And uh, they have their own interpretation of fasting. Maybe they don't have any clue about fasting or prayer. Uh, but then I know that we have seasoned veterans in here, people who have been following Jesus for a long time. So, um, but we wanted to give a practical way of praying that is very practical in nature. So basically there's up, in, and out. Can you do that with me? Up, in, and out, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, we'll keep going through that, this, this, this series for the next three weeks. And so to help you out, we have made these boards that you can either magnetize. There's little magnet sticky things that you can put on your mirror or put it somewhere uh, on the fridge that are going to help you. And in it, it has up, in, and out. And so with this, we're praying that God would use you, like even something that God speaks to you about up or you're learning about how to pray up and then pray in and pray out, uh, you'll be able to write that down and keep you going through the, out this fast. Uh, so you, we do have this for you at the end. The ushers will pass it out to you as you leave the building. If you are interested online in one, you can contact the office and be able to pick one up uh, during the week. I've titled this message, Learning to Pray Up. Very simple, Learning to Pray Up. And I invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalms 96. Psalm 96, we chose the psalms because psalms are prayers and many times they became songs that they used to worship. I don't know when you're down or when you're struggling or many times you're just looking for direction. God has used the psalms in my life many times and hopefully he's used the psalms in your life to comfort you, to give you peace. Why? Because these were basically prayers of psalmists uh, people that wrote the Psalms that were expressing to God their love for him. They were praying up, they were also praying in, and they also were praying out. And so you'll, uh, you'll get that before we go. But how many know, as we, if we're honest, today we're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting? I, my, there's part of me that gets excited, and there's a part of me that doesn't get excited. And we all know what the part is that doesn't get excited. How many know we have this flesh that we live in, that we have, we need this flesh to live in while we're here on earth, right? You need your body. We need food. God has designed us to eat. From the very moment you come out of that birth canal, you and I come out of that birth canal, we're eating. And the last thing that this body wants is for us to say no to it. That's, that's one of the first things you've got to understand about this body. Now, why is this important? Because, see, the more you say no to your body, the more you let it know who's really in control. Our spirit, the spirit of God reigning in us, in our new man, the new person that God has called us to become, that we're born again of God's spirit, that is what needs to reign in our life. And so during this season of fasting, we're saying no to this, this handsome fellow up here. No, I'm just kidding. We're saying no to this flesh that wants to eat, that wants to say yes to itself whenever it wants, to go its own way, to taste anything it wants, to try anything. All the pleasures that we find uh, in life that God has gifted us with, the pleasures of eating. I mean, you know, thank God for taste. Some of you through COVID have lost your sense of taste. So it's become harder and you lost your appetite. Uh, but why is it so important? Paul Miller has a really insightful thing in a, in a book that he wrote called A Praying Life. And he says this about our American culture. He says, American culture is probably the hardest place in the world to learn to pray. We are so busy that when we slow down to pray, we find it uncomfortable. We prize accomplishments, production, but prayer is nothing but talking to God It feels useless as if we were wasting time. Every bone in our body screams, get to work. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that because I could identify with that. Sometimes I feel like, man, I got to do something. (laughs) But I've heard it before that really prayer is the work. And yet as a society, even as a culture or even as a church, Many times do we, and we need to look at our own life and say, do I see that that way? Do I see prayer as like that? So that's why we want to learn how to pray up, in and out. Today, we want to rethink our approach to how to pray to God. We often approach God uh, like if he were Santa Claus, and He's in. We, we, we have to live a certain way to please him so that we get things that we want for our life. We we, we want to maybe treat them like a vending machine that we put something in and, oh, I go to church on Sunday or I, I'm doing this in my life, but, but yet I want something from God. Oh, it's okay to want something from God. But God, we need to understand, is someone very, very special. And that we need to know who we're praying to to begin with. The children of Israel in the Old Testament, I want to take you to a story they had, uh, how many of you know they had a cycle of, they would seek God and they would go after God and then they would fall back into their old ways and their old sin and their own stubbornness and then they would fall under, uh, they, they would go into difficult times and uh, they would lose uh, favor of God and God would say, okay, you wanna go that way? Go that way. So they'd go that way and then what happened is they find, but there was something that when God established a covenant with God uh, through the law, uh, through the people, with the people of Israel, the covenant was, he, he says, I want to be with you. I want to be in, uh, present with you. And so he had them build an Ark of the Covenant. And an Ark of the Covenant was a, a, a box-looking thing that had angels uh, hovering over it. It was plated with gold, and it was very elaborate and very, like how God instructed Moses to build it, he built it. But God's presence would dwell on that. Now, here's the problem with God's presence we can be so accustomed to God's presence that we get comfortable with him, like too buddy-buddy with him. Oh, he's my friend, all right, but we can't lose perspective of who God is. And in that time, they, they lost it. Uh, they, they 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 lost the 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 comfort. So they 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 even didn't understand God. They even thought, well, they had a battle. So they they get, they take the ark of the covenant. They were, the Philistines were coming against them, and so they they take the ark of the covenant with them and said, "This is going to give us uh, good luck. I'm going to take this to good luck charm. We're going to win because of the ark of the covenant." So they go to battle. Guess what happens? They lose. In fact, they take the Ark of the Covenant with them. They take it to their own country. And they thought, well, this is another God. We've conquered their God. And they take this, this Ark of the Covenant where God's presence dwells, and he, they take it and put it in one of their temples to their God. And something really interesting happens in that temple. Overnight, while they're staying, they come in the next morning. Their idol, big idol, is bowed down on the ground to the Ark of the Covenant. And so this is happening, and, and eventually what happens, not only that happened, they happen, this happened several times, they finally got it, well, this is something, something unusual. I imagine their conversation, what they were thinking about, and as they, they came in and discovered that in the morning, finally it was shattered. And then they started breaking out with boils and plagues and tumors and mice a plague of mice started happening to the Philistines. And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) We're not messing with this. Let's give this back. So they actually know the story. They sent it back on the cart. And and, and the, the people of Israel still didn't understand. People of God did not understand who they were praying to, who they were needing to have a relationship with. So what happens is they take him there and then they send him, they they build this cart and they send it to the Israelites. And I don't know if you remember that. It was a situation where one of the priests, uh, you know, they come and, well, what's coming over the hill? And they they take him and there's there's the Ark of the Covenant is coming. So they get real excited. But they didn't treat it with honor, with respect. And what happens is many people, even 50,070 people died in the people of Israel's camp. And there's still a death we experience today if we don't honor God for who he is. I want you to understand today that there's a God that we pray to who's like no other. And so this psalm gives us some insight. This is actually what this psalm was written for. This psalm was written at a time when they were actually bringing the ark back. But David, King David learned the hard way because he was going to transport it to on a cart and one of the priest who was trying to stabilize it what does he do he, he touches it listen that's a no no don't touch the glory of god and he dies and david was upset and he sends the ark of the covenant to obed obed edom's house He says, ha I don't want to say. And Obed-Edom says, okay. So Obed-Edom makes space for the Ark of the Covenant to treat it the way it's supposed to. Guess what happens? His household starts flourishing. His crop starts multiplying. I mean, it's crazy what starts happening. And finally David says, did you hear what David notices? King David notices what was happening and Obed-Edom says, listen, I need to bring that God's presence to Jerusalem, to my house. Listen, we need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. But we can get so disconnected from God that we start trying to use Him instead of fear Him. We, 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 we can get so disconnected from God in our relationship uh, that we start trying to use Him for our own good, for our own means, for what we want instead of what He deserves. We can also get so disconnected from God that we lose sight of Him in pursuit of what we want from Him. It's so a dangerous slope. How many know? It's kind of like the illustration of God wants to bless His people so much. God wants to bless you so much. He wants to, he wants to man, He wants to shower with His favor and blessing. But, but how many know? I'll give you an illustration. We, we, every household deals with this. And I often have to go to this and do this. It's a sloppy job. And how many of your tubs get stopped up? Right? Everybody, this happens to everybody. And it gets stopped up. And what happens is you you start building all and it starts backing up. And before you know it, you're showering in like two feet of water. No, not two feet of water. I don't, we don't let it go that bad. But it's scummy water, it's gross, it's I- icky. And, and I believe what happens is throughout our life, our life is the same way. We get so accustomed, we, we allow sin in our life, we compromise in areas. Uh, before you know it, we stop, we stop listening and being able to hear God's voice clearly. And, and so what happens, we find ourselves in a place where our life becomes icky before God. And what do you have to do? You have to unclog it. I believe fasting this season is about unclogging our spiritual lives. Unclogging and saying no to that flesh and saying no to the things that we normally say yes to. So 1 Samuel 7, 3 says, so Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of all the foreign gods and the Asherahs and the commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you. So finally, the Israelites get it. And they, they, they said, in 1 Samuel 7, 6, it says, on that day they fasted and they confessed. We have sinned against the Lord. So they finally get it. And then you see after that, you see God's power being released. You see the evidence of God being overflowing. They had the victory over the Philistines. They, had, they, they took back territory that belonged to them. See, the enemy has taken territory from your life and my life. And God is saying, I want it back. It belongs to me. I paid the precious blood for your life. But in the psalm, we see that that was written specifically as they took the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. When David said, listen, I'm sorry, I'm glad God's blessed you, but I want that blessing too. So they take him, they they do it properly, they get the priest to carry it, not a, a wagon, a cart. God never intended for his presence to be carried on a cart. And he says, listen, put it on the shoulders of the priest and carry the presence of God. Now, listen, this is powerful. You and I, when we come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we become priests, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We, we, my friend, carry the presence of the almighty God. But as they carried this, and this gives us insight into uh, this whole thing of worship and praising God and coming to him and lifting up our praise and our prayers to him. In Psalms, the, the Psalms that we're looking at today, Psalm 96, it says this, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. I want to talk to you today about three key reasons why it is so important for us to learn to pray up. The first one is this, praying up realigns my focus from my circumstances and myself back to God where it should be. Notice how he starts the psalm, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Notice how the focus is all about God. It's all about him. And the psalmist is saying, praise him. Declare uh, to him, declare his glory among the nations. Uh, th- there's a powerful thing about proclaiming. His, what is are we supposed to declare and proclaim? We bring good news when we proclaim. We proclaim God's goodness, his faithfulness, his justice, his mercy. All that encompasses who God is. We declare this God that we serve. And they had come to know him that way, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Listen, the, the God is for all people. The God that we serve is for all people. Jesus came fully God, fully man, to die on a cross, and he made a way for us to come to know him. And we declare Notice what are we, are we supposed to proclaim? The gospel, the good news. The good news of who. He is in what he has done on our behalf. Uh, the gospel is good news. His glory among the nations. John Piper says this, I believe the glory of God is the going public of his infinite worth. He is infinitely worth everything that we bring to him in our praise. Listen, I used to have a hard time praising God. Why? Because I felt shame. I felt like there were areas in my life that I felt I had failed God. And so naturally what I did was when you feel shame towards somebody, you kind of don't want to see him. You don't want to kind of look at him. You don't want to talk to him. So I would worship, but my worship was basically words and I was not expressing it from the depth of my soul until one day in a prayer meeting. One day in a prayer meeting. God set me free. I went up there. I had to come be the first one. And the Bible says when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. I that day went and they gave a call so that anybody feels like they have any area in their life that they need prayer for. And you just need to come to the middle of the room. Guess what happened? I got up. I went to the middle of the room. There were specific things that God laid on my heart. And one of them was a lack of freedom in worship. And you know what, during the prayer, I thought, well, they're gonna pray for me and I'm just gonna be like, okay, better. You know what Pastor Mark said? He, said? he said, listen, Asa, I just feel like God wants you to start praising him. And I started praising him. But you know what, I was not used to praising him. You know what my praise was? Okay, okay Lord, I love you, God. And I was shamed to come into his presence. <laughs> and then I started praising him. I started declaring I started saying, God, you are good, you are fit. And you know what it felt like? It felt like an engine without oil. And as the more I praised him, something happened. God set the shame of the chain of shame over my life free. I was set free to be able to worship him, to be able to praise him. I couldn't, God filled me with so much joy that day. I, I, I was laughing so much. So full of joy, like like not just a happy laugh. I mean, like a joy from within. Like the Bible says in 1 Peter, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And guess what? It was a beginning to praise started flowing from within because there's a river that flows through every believer who is born again of God's spirit, who has the spirit of God in their life that should begin to flow through our life. And you know what that river is? A river of praise. A river of praise that declares the glory of God among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. Sometimes we think and we get so fixated on our brokenness, on our pain, on all the things that are going bad around us that we forget the one who is majestic and who does great deeds. Listen, The people of Israel were forgetful back then and we are forgetful today. And God is saying, listen, don't forget, remind yourself. Why why does the Bible say to gather always, to come together as, as long as it's possible to gather together, as long as you can, as long as there's opportunity? Why? Because we forget the goodness and the marvelous deeds of almighty God. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Like, like Israel's story in the ark, it's too easy for us to get so used to God or distracted by the day-to-day that we drift from our own awareness of his splendor, majesty, strength, beauty, power, and majesty. Are you realigned? Do you need to realign your focus from your circumstances that you're going through from the self in your life back to where I should be? You know, as I've been preparing for this and I've had many conversations, many people are wondering, what what, what should I do with the fast? Listen, I think the focus needs to be more on him. Saying, God, what do you you want me to do? And wait for him to tell you what to do. We need to tell God, we need to come to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to fast? How do you want me to seek you during these 21 days uh, uh, in this this fasting season? I believe some of us are going to have breakthroughs. Some of us are going to have breakthroughs of addictions. Some of us are going to be healed from the pain and the wounds that that have been inflicted on our life because we live in a broken and painful world. God's gonna heal many things in our lives as we focus on him. But I wanna challenge you to begin to praise him, to declare who God is, to sing, let it flow. And in fact, the Bible says, sing a new song. I mean, and I've been to churches where they sing a new song. And someone was like, whoa, a new song. Listen, new songs should be coming from us. I, I make up songs all the time. You can ask my family. And sometimes I change the words on songs that I don't know, that I know, that I don't know, and I just sing the songs, and I'm, I'm always singing. James says, if anybody's happy, sing. You say, Pastor, you just don't understand if you only heard my voice. Listen, I know some of us don't have a gifted voice. But you have a gifted voice that is made specifically to give him praise. Every every one of us have an instrument. This instrument right here is, is something that you and I can take anywhere. It's portable. The most portable instrument you can take anywhere, at any time, at any place. Some of us, though, we let it go in the shower. Whoa! Like a roaring lion in there, man. You know, we can let it go and in different places. But listen, declaring God's praises is not just a shower thing. Declaring praises of God goes anywhere. I don't know if you remember the Popeye's thing that in 2019, this guy gets up on a counter. And literally, he orders, gets up on a counter, and it's with a the, the chicken sandwich. And he starts singing. And it, at the top of his lung, it's recorded. And it went viral. In twenty nineteen. You can look it up, Popeye's chicken guy. Um and and, and but here's this guy sitting see singing about a a really ridiculous sandwich. And he has no shame. He's declaring. And and, and he put the, the 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 tune to uh what's that um my girl talk about and he and he says my sandwich. I don't know how he says it, but am I might up the words now. But literally if he, this guy is willing to talk up and sing about a sandwich and we as God's people who have been delivered, set free, who have been washed with the precious blood of Jesus, who have been forgiven of our sins, who have been washed with the precious blood of Jesus, who, who have an eternal inheritance that will not fade away, who one day will stand in glory and we will be with him forever, how can we not declare How can we not declare the goodness of the one who gave his life for us on a cross? Listen, I want to challenge you. Do you need to realign your focus? Now is a time, a season of seeking after God. It's a corporate fast where we're calling all the church to do it together. And that could look differently like was already expressed. Secondly, another reason why it is important for us to learn to pray up is that praying up directs my worship to God and exposes all the false idols in my life. In verse five, it says, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Ooh, do we serve a great God or or what? The word ascribe means demand to give. In other words, go around, and, and and so if we could read the verse of 7 again, uh, demand to give to the Lord, who? All the families of the nations. Demand to give to the Lord, what? Glory and strength. Demand to give to the Lord, what? The glory do his name. Listen, we need to get a fresh vision of our God. We need to get a fresh vision of who God is and who he is in his splendor and his majesty. Listen, God doesn't need anything, but he has pursued us. He he wants a relationship with you and me. So we need to describe it. Without intentional time of focusing on this, we may never do it, but we need to remind it of who we are because of what he has done. He has made the way for us to be in a relationship with him and bring an offering, it says. And so the outcome is bring an offering and come into the courts, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So a natural result of understanding and seeing God for who he is as we pray up is to see him in his majesty and his splendor. Listen, our culture doesn't understand kings and queens, The whole royalty, we don't understand it. We vote presidents in and we we vote them out. We vote elected officials in and out. And they're just a guy, person. But when we understand royalty, there's something powerful. It changes the equation. I often get a picture in my mind one day that I'm going to have to kneel before the name that we sung, sung about this morning. One day I'm going to have to kneel and bow down before him. And oh, I do that today because you know why? I'm not going to be forced to because I realize the splendor of his majesty. There are people that are going to be forced to. Let's, let, me, let me put it this way. The Bible says very clearly in that verse, what does he say? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall bow. Confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You might be listening to this today in, in, online or you might be far from God. Listen, one day you, my friend, will be bowing your knees before God. You will be confessing through your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Listen, every single person that has ever lived on the face of this earth will one day bow down and confess Jesus as Lord. Either willingly or forcefully. Why? Because that's the God that we serve. I don't know about you, but that gives me great joy. Because we get to do it with privilege. We get to do it as his sons. We get to do it as people that have a place around his table. Do you know that God has a place around his table for you? And we get to worship him. We get to praise him. We get to praise him and pray up. In connection with him, what a privilege we have of serving him. What kind of relationship do you have with him now? What kind of worship do you worship God with? Do you worship him? Is it not just about worshiping in, 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 in song, but do you worship him with your life? Romans 4.1 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So worship is not just song. It's not just singing words. It's actually offering our lives. Could it be that this 21 days of fasting and prayer, saying, God, I'm offering this body if, if, if we were stripped of everything, what could we offer God? It's, it's all that we have to offer him. If you were stripped from all your identity, all that you put your identity in, your house that you live in, the car that you drive, the clothes that you wear, and you stood naked before God, and you stood before him looking at him, what do you have to offer? I'll tell you one thing you have to offer. The only thing you have to offer is your body. But isn't it true that God gave you your body? is he one that gave you life from birth? And yet in our culture, in our, in our society, even as humans, we don't look to him. We don't honor him. We don't respect him. We don't offer and worship him with our bodies. That whole idea of worship can be saying no to things that are harmful to these bodies. We're saying, God, you're much worth more than what I sense in the pleasure that I get or the joy that I might get for doing this or for eating this. Why? Because there's eternal joys that are eternal in nature. Now I know inside of you, there might be the old person rising up. When I say that, like, err. We don't want to give up anything. But I like what John the Baptist said. You know what his model for life was? He must increase and I must decrease. What if we lived that model in our life? I must decrease and he must increase. Speaking of Jesus, the third and final reason why it is important for us to learn to pray up is that praying up frees my heart to have joy as I learn and apply the eternal truth that God reigns. Notice in verse 10, it says, say among the nations. What are we supposed to say among the nations? The Lord reigns. Turn to the person next to you and say, the Lord reigns. Start proclaiming it. The Lord reigns. Hey, with your co-workers, proclaim it. The Lord reigns. With your neighbors, proclaim it. The Lord reigns. What if we all came out with pans and said, The Lord reigns? What does he say? The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Think about rejoicing. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. See, here's the thing that we need to understand. If, the heaven, if heaven rules, the earth will be glad. When heaven rules, the earth is really glad. When the, when the nations that we live in, or even the nation, if blessed is a nation whose God is what? The Lord. That he reigns. Lord means that he reigns, that he has sovereign over everything in our lives. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound. Think about music coming from the sea. Have you ever slept by the seashore? Well, unless it's storming and there's a hurricane. But even nature itself is crying out to God in worship. The Bible says that the trees are clapping their hands. I don't see any hands, but the wave, they're waving somehow to God. The branches are going up. And they're waving to God, they're worshiping God, even in the fallen state that we live in. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. There comes a day where he's gonna rule completely. Right now we see this battle going on. The enemy knows that his days are limited. And so he's all out, all out to destroy lives, all out to tear down people's lives, all out to keep people in captivity and deception. But Jesus still reigns and the earth is gladdest when what? Heaven reigns. And so during this fast, we need to be crying out to God, God, we want to pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Listen, this pray up, pray in and pray out. You see it all through scripture. The Abba, the, the, uh, the, the Abba Father, the, the pattern that Jesus taught. You start with God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You're praying up. And notice he goes into it later. It, it, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Provide for our needs, God. It, it, and so there's this, this, this pattern that you see. And then what it is that God wants, to, God wants to expand the whole world, the truth that he reigns, that he is a God like no other God. And what happens in our life, We many of us have idols that subtly have grown up in our life and we've placed them in places in our life That we honor them, we serve them. Food can be one of those serving things that we serve. How many foodies do we have in the house? We have a lot of foodies. I heard some amens. I heard them online even, man. As I go, but the reality is, we cannot be controlled by anything but Him. Let the fields be juvenile. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. But notice one thing is that there will come a time that he comes to judge the earth. And that is a, a rejoicing thing. Why? Because all the wrongs are going to be made right. We're going to stand before his presence uh, free of, of all these things. But he reigns and he's going to reign. And Lord, that, that is a prayer that we been. But here's the thing. And I want to end with this. When God reigns, heaven reigns, we are the most satisfied when God is most glorified, like John Piper said. When God is most glorified, we are most satisfied. But there is something powerful I want to give you illustration with. See, some of us here, God wants to use us. How many know God wants to use His people? In fact, God has chosen to use His people. Uh, there is a quote that says, "God, God cannot, God, God cannot uh, do anything on this earth apart of." Uh, how does it say? Oh, she you, you forgot. But I forgot too. But let me try to, let me try to do it. God cannot, I shouldn't have started this because I know I've got myself in trouble. But um, it says that really the whole idea is that God cannot move on this earth apart from man. And, and, and that, God does, that man cannot do anything apart from God. So we can't do anything on this earth apart from God, but God, can't, God chooses not to do anything except through man. In other words, that God has chosen people to declare his glory, to be the people that bring his, usher in his presence, that we are the priests that carry his presence. And so I want to give you a picture that God has this 50 million dollars, not 50 million dollars, but 50 million gallons of water that he wants to pour off in blessing and blessing and, and bless his people and, and wants to do amazing things through his people and in us and through us. But here's the problem. Every one of us has these little pipes, like one-inch one pipes, that are connecting to this amazing flow and reservoir of water. Do you think you're going to get much? And so you don't see much happening in your life is because you have a little pipe that is connecting to this amazing source of God. As you and I pray up, God wants to change the size of your pipe so that his goodness can start flowing in and through you. Your pipe is getting clogged up. It needs to be set free from the things that is clogging it. And fasting allows that to happen. Fasting is saying no to what? The flesh so that the spirit and the spirit of God can reign in our life. Are you ready for God to use you? Some of you are continually pushing to inflate some version of yourself for your dreams. Sometimes we put other pictures of what, who we are to other people. But listen, before God, as you pray up, be real. If you're struggling, let him know you're struggling. He accepts you, he loves you. He's already loved you. He's already paid the price for your sin. Approach him. Don't be afraid to start praising him, to praying up the goodness of His and re, reverberating it. One of the best things you can do too is take scripture and pray it back to God. You may reach it and find it inadequate or you may never reach it and die trying to arrive somewhere that was never worthy of your life. But here's the thing, God is worthy. He deserves the praise and worship of your life because he gave his life for you and me. I wanna give you an invitation to fast for 21 days. This week, praying up, spending time, Every day giving God the glory that is due his name. Learn and practice praying up. Don't forget to pick this up as we end. But I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And maybe God has spoken to you about something very specific in your life. Is there an idol that you are holding on to in your life that is clogging the pipe of your life? Maybe it's through this fasting season that God is going to unblock, that God is going to cleanse your heart, that he's going to set you free. Some of you are going to be set free from addictions. You're going to realize, wow, I can't believe I made an addiction an idol in my life. But as you begin to praise God, as you begin to learn to praise him, give him glory and honor, something's going to happen where you're going to be set free, that God's going to increase your pipe to tap into the abundance of God's faithfulness and goodness, of who he is and his, his character and his mercy and all the splendor of his glory. To be sweet times of fellowship with him is what I've been praying for. I'm going to ask us to stand as we close our time. and In a moment, I'm going to pray, but to, let's, let's, let's prepare our hearts and worship as we close our time together.